0: hey guys welcome to the lash pro podcast i'm your host Neelam Corin. i'm a lash artist just like you i've spent eight years at the lash artist but i've been in the beauty business since i was about 16 years old things are changing all the time in the beauty biz and i believe the more you allow yourself to be a student the further you'll be able to grow each week we bring you actionable tips to move the needle forward and elevate your lash business think of the Lash pro podcast as the business school classes that didn't come with your lash training let's dive in we're Back with part two of our interview with Cheryl Peng, the owner of Untamed Artistry. Untamed Artistry was created to bridge the gap between great products and free education. Yeah, you heard me right, I said free education. They created high quality, easy to use products, but also teach lash artists how to use them in the funnest way possible. You have to check out their Instagram. In today's episode, we discuss how to communicate with your adhesive and hear what it's saying to you. That way you can troubleshoot it better you will also learn how to use your hygrometer and really get into the nitty gritty of adhesive and application issues with a speed round of the most common issues we experience doing a set of lashes. If you missed part one, you'll definitely want to jump into that to learn more about Cheryl, her journey, how to successfully and consistently sell yourself, and techniques you can implement to show up better even if you're feeling extremely intimidated by the idea of public speaking. You'll also learn what it takes to be a good educator and why retention is such a mystery and why so many lash artists struggle with adhesive. All of that is in part one. Both of these episodes talk about the core skills you need to know how to flex as a lash artist. And I'm so grateful Cheryl was so generous with her time to walk us through all of this. Don't forget to take a moment to share this episode with a friend that would love to elevate their lash business. Subscribe to the show. And if this episode helps you, leave us a review on iTunes what do lash artists need to know about
1: adhesive and retention in order for it to work for them, like to make it work for them? So I'll just try to break down this question into a crash course of retention adhesive. Okay. I'll go through this really, really quickly, not super in depth, but if you guys want to, there is a course by the lash Cast podcast that you can hear, learn really, really technical things about it because Testany is just, a well of knowledge in this, or you can listen to like our webinar, a free webinar on YouTube. But essentially what we want to understand is that in our adhesives, the main ingredient that makes it sick is cyanoacrylate. So that's the same thing in our crazy glue. It's just that one ingredient that makes things sick. And what is cyanoacrylate from a chemical perspective is that it's a monomer. So plastic in its liquid state change into a polymer, plastic in its solid state. And that chemical reaction changes because of the hum- the moisture in the air, which is why humidity and temperature does come in play. Now, once the chemical change from liquid state to solid state, which is plastic, nothing will be able to dissolve it or damage it unless using something like a remover. And the ingredient in remover that dissolves the cyanoacrylate is acetone, right? right? So that's why when we get... Glue on ourselves, we use a little bit of acetone to remove it. Those tweezers, like if your your tweezers has glue, you use a little bit of acetone to remove it. Other than this, there is no other way to break down chemically cyanoacrylate. So once it becomes plastic, it's just plastic. There's no way of melting this plastic unless through heat, extreme heat, right? And so that means, and a lot of people might not like to hear this, Oil does not affect your retention. I was going to say, what? Not even oil? No. <laughs> oil does not re- affect your retention. Skincare does not re- affect your retention. You know, even eyeliner does not affect your retention, right? Face makeup doesn't affect your retention. But they do play in a role in how your client is going to retain their lashes, right? Right. So when it comes to lashes, I like to think of it as uh, having great retention. I like to think of it as a three-step process, right? You have to check all these three points. Number one, it's proper preparation, right? You want to prepare your lashes really well by opening up the scale of the hair, right? It's like when you watch the Pantene. I actually learned this from Maria, uh, one of the biggest lash nerd in the industry also. It's her Instagram handle. I always get people's Instagram handle wrong, so I don't want to like butcher it. But I think it's Blink Beauty Pro. Yes, I think so. But- I learned this analogy from Maria. I love analogy. How when you watch the Pantene commercial, right? It's when you first see the commercial, you will see that the hair is, they super, super hyper zoom into the hair and you can see the hair opens up like a pine cone. Mm -hmm. And that's what causes frizziness. And, you know, my lion's mane, it's all because of that. But when you put the conditioner on, right? It smooths out all of the cuticle of the hair. So it makes it super smooth. So as a lash artist, now, if we understand that one of the things that I like to think about is that when you're attaching something, right, you're attaching your lash extension to your natural lash, what you want to do is get the maximum point of contact possible. So that in order to help you to do that, it's open up the cuticle first. So that's proper preparation. So that means washing your lashes, cleansing them beforehand and creating that, Basically, you instead of you want to reverse the panting commercial, right? You actually want it to turn into a pine cone instead of this one smooth lash, because if the cuticle opens up, Then the lashes can seep the adhesive can seep into the cuticle and create a stronger bond. So the best way to think about this is that without proper preparation, like if your client has a lot of oil on their lashes or a lot of makeup residue, all of this they are essentially blocking up all of those cuticles, right? So what end up doing is that instead of imagine if you went on and just high five somebody and that that point of contact it's going to basically slip off very easily the moment you guys move away it's going to be easily you know separated but if you go in and you hold someone's hand and interlocking the fingers that is going to be way way more secure and in order to let this bond and this point of contact go it's for you to uninterlock your fingers right so that's why preparation is extremely important to start with squeaky, squeaky clean lashes. And I think that this will probably inevitably lead to the question of primer. Do you prime? Do you not prime? So at UA, we're not an advocate of primer because I think that would proper preparation of your lashes. Your lashes usually does not sec- secrete enough oil during the process of your appointment to ruin that preparation however there are extremely oily clients so for those extremely oily clients you could use a little bit of primer but be intentional with your primer more is not more actually in this situation less is more and you want to be very mindful how much you use and never touch to live with it because a lot of primer in the market right now has alcohol And that's really drying and brittle. And the reason why they do this is because they're trying to open up those cuticle into a pine cone so that you can have better retention and attachment, right? So instead, what you want to do is that maybe find a non-alcohol-based primer or even using some sort of uh, saline. And that would also help as well. So properly prepping, preparation is step number one. And then step number two I have it's a question about be, prepping. Yeah. So, what does when you're using primer and you don't need it, what is it doing
0: to the lash?
1: When oh, so I think it will dry out the lash a lot and makes it extremely brittle. And one of the thing that we, we talked about earlier, remember when we go back to first principle, right? Cyanoacrylate needs moisture in the air for it to turn into hard plastic right? When you use primer, when you don't need primer, it leaves lash extremely dry. And when it has no moisture, it's going to take a very long time, much longer time for your adhesive to dry. So that means you're either going to get stickies, close fans, or holding your fan there for much longer than it needs to. And it's also just because when we're saying using primer and touching the eyelid when you shouldn't, that can also cause like really dry and flakiness along the lash line as well so you want a pine cone but you don't want like a dead dying pine cone like
0: you want that exactly that little balance in between yeah
1: you need life in it for it to work right so you definitely don't want like a sahara desert okay and then
0: cleansing it is what opens up the follicle is there like just cleansing it with regular cleanser and water
1: so one of the things that i like to do actually is that I like to, I might be a little bit extra, I like to use warm saline to cleanse because warm water really opens up the pores, right? So imagine that, that opens up the follicle, um, the cuticle as well, but that's an extra step. It's really not that necessary. The reason why I would choose Renew or some sort of saline rather than choosing like, distilled water or water. I think I, we get that question very often and I have to credit this to Tessani. She actually is the one that taught me that. Using saline is something I've always done and has never affected my retention. I know there's quite a bit of controversy around that, but I can personally vouch for And I know that Tessani can vouch for with her decade plus of experience that it's never affected retention. But most importantly, it's because saline is isotonic. So what that means is that it's biocompatible with our body. So saline having some salt in it, all of humans, like we are made out of what, 60% water, right? Because of that reason, all of our water in our body has salt in it. So when we put distilled water or just regular water into our eyes, it's not the most comfortable feeling. Like it's not, it doesn't feel good. It kind of like hurts a little bit. It cuts a little bit. It feels like that. Whereas saline, because of the salt in there and it's isotonic, it actually makes it more comfortable for your clients as well. And I like to just put them on a badly made coffee mug heater. Have you ever seen those ones? So you just go on Amazon and you find the worst review one there is, right? (laughs) you actually don't want it to do its job too well, right? And then you just leave your bottle of saline on top of that and actually keeps it warm. And I think it's more comfortable with my clients and they're spoiled. So they like that.
0: That's so much smarter. I've had um have getting a baby bottle warmer on my list for so long and I didn't want to spend like 40 bucks on this thing. But like <laughs> using a coffee cup warmer, it's like, such a better idea. <laughs> yeah, you just need to get like a really bad one so that,
1: you know, it's not like it doesn't work too well. Okay, what's after prep? So, after proper preparation, the next step is proper application. Now, as a lash artist, if you have to work on one thing, for me, it will be mastering your application. The reason why application is so important is because remember, we were saying how cyanoacrylate, when it turns hard, itself cannot be dissolved by oil, makeup, skincare gunk you know all of this along your lash line
0: where did all of that start like why does like majority of the industry believe that adhesive can be dissolved and all of this affects your retention like if you put on oils or you're using oily skincare your lashes are going to fall off in three days like why do we all believe this
1: well first of all confirmation bias right if someone tell you that one time you're going to look for it if someone tell you that oh, I have really bad retention. And then I go down a list of questions asking my clients. What do you do? What's your aftercare? And then they tell you that, oh, I use an oily skin care. I use oil on my face. Then you would be like, oh, I heard so-and-so also said that. That must be the correlation. Now, one other thing that, which is why I always talk about first principle, it's understanding certain first principle theory. For example, correlation does not mean causation. So what that means is that just because we can see something repeatedly happen over and over again, does not mean that the theory we have what causes it is the right theory, right? So if your attachment is not good, your if your client uses even not super oily skincare, that gap, any tiniest little gap, in your attachment that tiny lift at the corner like right at the corner right or even you know just not attaching very like a lot of surface any of those will get pushed open by the oil because what makes it fall out prematurely is the normal wear and tear and that normal wear and tear includes blinking your eyes you know touching your face any of normal wear and tear your lashes can fall off if it has a tiny little bit of gap. Now, if you add oil into the mixture, right? What does oil do? It creates a smooth surface, right? It glide things off faster. So if you don't have really good attachment, it's kind of like, imagine, um, you know, you have something like, okay, imagine when you have your ring, like you know how sometimes you wear a ring and then it gets way too small and you don't know what happened and you're like, I swear my finger didn't really grow, but you can't get it off. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get it off is by putting some sort of lubricant on it, right? An oil is a lubricant and essentially you're guiding that friction to make that friction less uncomfortable and you make it happen faster, essentially, right? So oil helps, soap helps, anything that creates that lubrication. And this is why Back then, as an industry, our application wasn't that great. Let's be honest. Like, we are still very, very first-generation lash artists. Mm-hmm. So we've only started to master our application and having all these tricks and tips in the recent, you know, maybe five, six years. And people are going to get better and better and better, right? But when you have a culture, an industry of people who aren't master their crafts, they all have small errors, right, in their application. And you add oil and people's normal skincare, what do we want in our normal skincare is to be hydrating, right? So they all have some sort of oil in it. So adding that into the equation, naturally, you're going to see worse retention. And then we attribute that correlation to the causation, which is a false science, right? So if your application is on point, these oils won't matter. So I, I don't have extensions on right now. But when my extensions and my uh, application is on point, I literally use oil on my face. Like I cannot give up my face oil. Um, That's why even when I'm not wearing makeup, I'm like shiny AF. Um, because, you know, I can't live without oil. And I've found that like you don't, I have just as good of a retention using or not using oil. And the only time I don't have good retention, it's never because of the skincare I was using. Yes, it does play in a role. So I don't want people to get it confused. If you don't have good attachment, if your client uses an oily skincare, they're not going to have good retention. That's just facts, right? But if you master your retention, then your clients can sleep on their face, they can use oil, they can do whatever they want and go about their life being completely normal and uninterrupted and they will continue to get lashes. And one of the things I want to highlight here is that lash extensions by nature, it's a high maintenance service to get. Right, because it's expensive, it's time-consuming, and the last thing you want is to make that process more complicated than it needs to be for your clients. There's already so much like resistance and barrier to entry to having this what we think it's amazing service. But for your clients, you have to always put yourself in your clients' shoes. And one of the things that I always uh, think about with Jeff Bezos, despite what people think of him, right? But in the beginning, Jeff Bezos has always say that it's about the customer. It's always about the customer, right? And I think one of the things that I see in the lash industry and one thing I like to lead the changes in is that I think lash artists, I say this in a very, with a lot of kindness, is that we're very self-absorbed. We're very caught up with ourselves and what we think are the standards are and what we think is right. So one of the behavior I see a lot that I am absolutely against is shaming clients right it's had a flashback of all the Facebook groups like all the posts in the Facebook groups like they all just flashed in my mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that's probably why UA wants to start our Facebook group to not be a community of that like we're actually going to put that into you just gave me this idea I'm gonna put this into our community like rules commitment to each other that we wouldn't do this we wouldn't you know shame other lash artists and we wouldn't shame our clients because let me give you guys a different example right Imagine you're a personal trainer, you're somebody on the market looking for personal trainers, right? And you're seeing a bunch of personal trainers talking about how, look at this person, she didn't go to the right person and she broke her bones. Look at that person didn't go to the right person and broke their legs. Do you still want to exercise at this point? You're going to be like, how do I know you're not going to do that to me? You know, like at this point, it's either I'm so committed and really, really want to go work out. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like, "No, thanks." So, as an industry, how do we how do we expect us to make eyelash extensions prevalent, which is our job, right? To make our goal as lash artists is that every woman wears extensions, even the ones who's allergic, right? That would be our dream. Mm-hmm. But how can we do this if we are actively scaring our customers away? You know, never thought showing- of it like that before. Yeah, like if we show them pictures of lash smite all the time, which everybody has, which that's the most funny thing is that everyone has it. Even the one who don't wear lash extensions have it, right? But if we constantly try to scare people with these type of photos, we scare people with bad aftercare and we blame our clients. How are we going to expect people to everyone and everyone's mother and aunt want to get lash extensions? Because I, you're... Our job as a marketer and a salesperson, which you are once you run your own company, is to overcome objection, not insert objection, right? So there's a place and time for you to talk about why your service is different, but it should never be at the expense of your clients or another lash artist. Mm -hmm. All right. So attachment is like the number one thing to go with application? Yes. So attachment is the most important thing. So two rules here in attachment, right? For me, number one, it's like flush against the natural lash. So I shouldn't find any lift or gaps or anything like that because those lifts and gaps are the black holes, right? And then the makeup builds up, the oil builds up, right? Even if you don't wear makeup, natural oil builds up and then that gap gets larger and larger and larger over time and then they will prematurely fall out. As every lash artist, I think it should be your goal to aim for your your clients to have lashes without falling out, without a natural lash. It should be every lash artist's goal to get that, right? And the second thing, key element in attachment is maximum point of contact. So with a classic lash, you want to dip as long as your natural lash. Like if your client has a six millimeter natural lash and you're applying a eight millimeter fan uh, like a eight millimeter classic lash on her you want to dip at least five millimeter of glue that's what you want to do you want that whole entire lash to be up against each other because that's the only way that you can guarantee like long lasting retention this is probably why a lot of people in the beginning would tell you that my classic retention is much better than my volume retention. It's because when it comes to volume, they're making the wrong adjustment because volume has a much smaller base, right? An ideal fan is two millimeter base. So the most we can attach will be a two millimeter like attachment, right? So it's up to you to kind of optimize and make it more efficient, which is why we have techniques like threading, wrapping. All of this is just in some way trying to help you guarantee more attachment because when it comes to attachment more is better how do
0: you do that if you have like a straight lash and you're using a d curl how do you maximize that
1: attach like that contact surface so what I would do in that, when you have a straight lash and you have a D curl what you want to do, it's always want to come from underneath. So that by hooking the lashes, you are now using, leveraging the curl in the decurl to lift up the straight lash. So it's very, unless your natural lash, like it's basically a seesaw. Is that what they're called? A seesaw, right? Of weight distribution, right? Mm-hmm. So if decurl is the thicker lash, which Naturally, it's accept- relatively easy for you to use the curl to lift up the straighter lashes. Okay, so we got prep. We have application. We're also running. Um, okay, so the last point in coming ha- uh, in having great retention, it's going to be your environment, like your adhesive management. So really understanding how to manage your adhesive. Imagine yourself as a boss and your adhesive is your worker, right? You need to know in order for your worker to perform effectively and in order for your worker to help you build the business of your dream, you need to first understand how to manage them and what to tell them to do and know that like, what do they prefer? When they work best, their learning style, their feedback preferences, right? All of this. So you have to understand your adhesive. Right. It's all about adhesive management. And adhesive management comes down to a few things. Number one, it's how much adhesive are you using, right? You know, there's so one of the things I find it very tricky about language, it's interpretation, right? A little can mean this, like a little can mean a rice to you, and a little can mean a cup of water to me, right? It's all about interpretation. So having teaching everyone in the industry, I think maybe we started off with using too much adhesive. And then now we're going to revert back to you know, using less, less is more. And then we overcompensate. But the problem is that we don't know what less means, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding how much adhesive you're using, the more adhesive you use, the longer it's going to take for it to dry. The less adhesive you use, the faster it's going to dry, right? And then what you want to do is also understanding how your environment plays in the role with your adhesive. So cyanoacrylate itself as an ingredient, it really likes the 45 to 55% humidity level and that 19 to 21 Celsius temperature. And because that is the natural state where it polarizes, so it turns into plastic. It's the additive in the adhesive that changes the dry time and the consistency based on the lash artist's preference. So really understanding your adhesive and does it like and not relying just on a hygrometer, but more relying on a feedback loop with your adhesive, right? If you're an educator, one of the best things you need to learn to do is to create feedback loops so that your student can improve. So you need to have the same feedback loop with your adhesive. When you're lashing, you need to be observing your lashes and wondering, is it is there any stickies if there's stickies it's trying to slow right I, or i need to use less adhesive or i need to change the environment so that introduces less moisture in the environment through temperature change or humidity change but if it's popping off and if i comb they just fall out and if it's drying too fast if it doesn't have enough time to wrap all of this is telling me that okay it's either i'm not using enough adhesive or there's not enough moisture in my air or you know it's the wrong adhesive for my working time. Maybe I'm working too slow, right? All of this is understanding how your adhesive reacts and having that feedback loop. And I know it sounds silly, but in the beginning, because I really, 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 really struggle with retention in the beginning of my career to a point where I lost 99% of my clients. I don't know why that one girl stuck with me. Like I... (laughs) I do not understand, you know, but I lost every client. But to me, I realized that even a hygrometer is not reliable. What the manufacturers say about the adhesive is not reliable. Even the adhesive changes through the day because I had a really, really big window next to me, right? My environment changes constantly where in the morning it's way hotter and Mm -hmm. at evening it's way cooler. So being able to really control your environment it's really, really important. It's like conducting a good science experiment. It's being able to control your environment. So with that being said, you need to have a feedback loop where you're constantly in conversation with your adhesive when you're lashing and not mindlessly lash, but rather ask yourself, is it drying too fast? Is it drying too slow? Now at this point, when I lash, I can pretty much say with 90% confidence at the end of my set, how long this is going to last. So, you know. That will be the last, most important point of retention. So much good info. I feel like you're giving us a full-on mini course here. This is incredible. Okay, what is a feedback loop? So a feedback loop is when you are essentially asking for ways to improve, right? Like in, for example, when you are designing a training course, like one of the reasons why people are very hesitant on launching online lash courses is because it's so hard to create a feedback loop virtually when there's no one talking to you, right? You can't look at someone and look at the way they make fans and be like, okay, you need to adjust your finger a little bit. You need to tilt your direction a little bit. It's essentially the person, the partner, the thing that you're working with is giving you a feedback for you to improve and get better at, right? So in this feedback loop with your adhesive, what you want to do is that you want to observe your adhesive. And like for the first five minutes when I'm lashing, right? Right. I, first of all, like I wanted to kind of use this opportunity maybe to debunk hygrometer a little bit. I know a lot of people rely very heavily on hygrometer and we get a ton of questions all the time saying, hey, like, you know, your glue set, it works here. My hygrometer says we're there. Why is it not working, right? But the problem with hygrometer is that the hygrometer we use are commercial, like are not like industrial version of it. So they're not very accurate, okay, in the first place. I have once bought three hygrometer in... Put them in the same place, and they read completely different things, which is the reason why I lost ninety nine percent of my clients because having some of biases in my head, I'm thinking, okay, hygrometer says forty to fifty percent humidity, whatever temperature, I'm there all the yeah. time. Why is my adhesive not working? And it was extremely frustrating for me to a point where you know I quit lashing, but. That's because later on, I try to put on my scientist hat. Not that I am, but like I try to think more, like start from ground zero, right? And I say, okay, let's start fresh. Buy a new hygrometer. Realize my hygrometer was off by 15, 16%. Like no wonder why I thought I'm in an optimal. I'm so scared to get below the range that I'm supposed to be in, right? I've had students who said once I've seen her working with an adhesive that was drying so slow. And I asked her, why don't you turn up your humidity? And she said that, no, this glue says it's a low humidity glue. I've actually turned down my humidity to make sure that it works. But your adhesive itself is giving you constant feedback and your adhesive is not drying. It's telling you that it does not want to dry, right? So why are we ignoring the very fact that we can't deny and relying on something that has a lot more falsibility, I guess, has a lot more room for error, like a hygrometer, right? So that's why cultivating that habit of creating a feedback loop with your adhesive. Me, first five minutes when I'm lashing, I hygrometer is for me to use it as a benchmark, right? Mm-hmm. So I put my hygrometer in the same place I do every single day. And then I will lash and I will observe like as crazy as the sound but I would be sitting there and talking to my adhesive be like, how are you feeling today? Like, <laughs> are you trying fast enough? Are you hydrated? Like, if you're not hydrated, should I give you more moisture? Like, it's constantly by like, giving it a bit of TLC. And I think one of the things that I would like to see people do more of is practice less in quantity, but more intentionally. So I think people think that, like, if I just put in five hours every single day, making fans, lashing, then I will be really, really good. But my argument for you is that you can put in 20% of that amount of time, but be extremely intentional and forcing your brain neurons to make those connections and learn. And you can be much faster and effective in your learning and get better at what you do. Because you can go, if you're not intention in having this feedback loop with your adhesive, you can go years without having an answer for your retention problem. But if you're intentional with it, you can solve your retention problem like this right? So I argue that it's not about quantity. Like I know people always say that it's not about quantity, it's about quality. But I feel I'll go a step further to say that like hustle isn't the secret to success.
0: I love this conversation so much. And before we continue, we're just going to pause for a minute. And I want to talk to you about tracking all of these important details. You can do what Cheryl did and use an Excel sheet. You can do what I used to do and use pen and paper, or you can use your phone's notepad to track your environment, the products used from every single client appointment, or you can do what I use now, the app we designed specifically for this, Lash Assist, to get really organized and easily run reports to analyze all the data that you've been recording when you need to troubleshoot an issue, or if you're just trying to figure out what your ideal happy lashing zone is. Whatever you do, just make sure you do something because I'm telling you, if you're struggling, This is your holy grail. If you haven't used Lash Assist Pro before and you'd like to trial it, you can go to new.lashassistpro.com and use the code LASHPRO to get an extended trial absolutely free. So instead of 14 days, you'll get to play around with it for 30 days to make sure it's really right for you with the code LASHPRO. But intention
1: is the secret to success.
0: Always got to be asking like why and how. You main things like why mm-hmm. is it doing it and how mind? do I adjust
1: it or like the two main questions to keep in mind. And keep trying it until like Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, right? If your adhesive is not working at 20 50 percent humidity, and even if UA's website description said it's 50% humidity, you cannot keep working in that environment and then mm-hmm. just blame it on a glue. Instead, you need to be like, all right. What do I understand first principle about cyanoacrylate is that it needs moisture in order to turn hard and stick. So if it's not drying, it's either option A, this glue has it's faulty and has some problem. And option B is there's not enough moisture. You can't know for sure if this glue is faulty and have any problem, but you can introduce more moisture into your air. So why not try that first? And if that still doesn't work, then okay, it's probably the glue, right? Even though that chance is very, very little, but I'm not going to be the person that says like, we never ever have faulty adhesive because at the end of the day, human are prone to error. Like these are man-made products, right? But it's up to us to test our theories had so much struggle with that at the beginning of lashing and like
0: for the first couple of years of lashing not just like the first six months and like I was throwing away glue because I had two hygrometers side by side that gave me like they're off by 10 to 15 percent and like it's reading what it should be reading my glue isn't working I buy new glue I'm like this is garbage throw it out after a week of trying to use it and it just wasn't working it wasn't until I started making note of things every single appointment like my room temperature my humidity and using the hygrometer and using one hygrometer not using two anymore using one and like not knowing, like not using it as a comparison for like the temperature that I need to be in, but using it as in like, Mm -hmm. as I'm lashing, if it's saying, if everything's working, everything's setting perfectly, I'll take a note of that temperature. Like Even if it says like 25%, I'll write it down. And if it's doing it every single time, then I know, okay, it doesn't matter if it's not 50%. 25% is where I need to stay. And like till today, I still write down absolutely everything, including like how I primed, how I prepped, just so I know if there's ever any sort of like, someone's coming back with really crappy retention, something's not working, like I know why. And I realize as soon as I slack off, and I stop doing that is when I start getting into issues again. So like,
1: it's so important Mm -hmm. to note it all down. Yeah, for sure. Like all my students have seen this. I like an Excel spreadsheet doing exactly what it is that you do. And I think human are habitual animals, like we one of the skills that we have that make us intelligent life compared to like other like elephants or like even elephant is extremely smart but like other animal is that we can recognize pattern and then we find a way to communicate these patterns to make us more and more efficient right and the first step is to observe these patterns right? and that's what you're doing with you're recording. Game changing. <laughs>
0: so I know mm-hmm. for humidity it'll affect the way that you're applying the lashes like drying too quickly like drying not quick enough. But
1: does it affect the actual retention like the end result? So if you using your adhesive in the right environment where you let enough time where the lashes, or the adhesive, going back to what we talked about in the very beginning about the cuticles in the hair, right? Like if you give enough time for this adhesive to seep into the crevices of the pine cone, right, into the cuticle and it dries then you're going to have amazing retention, right? So that's why preparation is so important because like if you use everything in the right environment and all of that, but when you are putting on a lash and you don't have enough adhesive on there, it may stay but it doesn't let it go. It doesn't stay as well. So having lower humidity, allowing that adhesive to dry a little bit slower can give you more time to seep into those cuticles, right? But it's the balance act of the right amount of the humidity because when you're lashing in any super low humidity level, like 30 or below, it's actually extremely toxic for the lash artist and the client themselves. They're more likely to develop allergy. It's one of the reasons why we see a lot of allergy breakout in the winter time. Right. It's because Ooh. it's way too dry. And the solvent, because what people are allergic to, and those of you who have listened to the Lash Cast podcast will know that what we're allergic to is never cyanoacrylate itself. So not the hard plastic that we're allergic to, because that's actually it's impossible for it to be an, it's not an allergen. So that means you can't react to it because it's not an active ingredient. So you cannot react to something, right? But what we are allergic to is the solvent. So it's when the adhesive in its liquids state that we're allergic to so that means it's also an over time of exposure the longer you lash in a low humidity level that means the longer you are exposed to that adhesive in its liquid form the more toxic it is for you as a lash artist to breathe in for the lash client to be exposed to which is probably why for someone like me who's very allergic to extensions one of the first thing i did that really helped me was to have shorter appointments when I cut my appointments from two hours to one hours, I'm the best client, my lash artist would say, because I bring my own fan to my <laughs> appointment, you know, because I pre-made my own fans. I bring them to an appointment because I know that I can't lay on that bed for too long. The moment it goes over an hour, my symptoms will get worse and worse. So It's good to
0: know. I never thought of that idea either. Well, that's a good idea. Limit your exposure, bring in your own fans. I hate laying there for so long. I'm the worst client. You don't <laughs> want to lash me. I'm literally the worst. Okay, I want to go through some questions that I've seen pop up constantly on Facebook groups. I'm going to kind of do this like a speed round and I'll try not to like ask too many questions. Okay, I'll probably ask some questions still. Okay.
1: That's okay. <laughs> it's hard because I really, like- I really enjoy chatting with you. And personally, I love long format podcasts because I'd rather listen to one long podcast over and over multiple times than listen, soar through a million podcasts that like find things that's important. But I'm not trying to say that this podcast that you should listen to over and over again, but I'm sure that- we can give them a lot of gems.
0: And like, there's so many things like you say, and I'm like, I just want to bite into it a little bit further and just pull it out because I feel like that's where like that bulk of knowledge is there. Okay. So there's a client. She forgot she had lash extensions on. She rubbed her eyes and a whole bunch fell
1: off. What happened? Application. Application. <laughs> because if, if imagine it's going back to that example that we were saying how well, there's a gap, right? Like, you are going to whatever that comes in contact foreign objects like eyes rubbing that's a lot of friction that you're creating along your lash line right and just imagine those frictions are going to pop up anything that was not attached properly okay lashes aren't sticking like you're trying to apply them but they're just like not applying like they're just sliding off so that means preparation maybe is something that you want to look into it's probably it's in that extreme state of that Pantene commercial where the natural lash has zero it's not porous at all and the cuticles aren't opened up so that's probably why it's not sticking and then the second reason sometimes it could be because the adhesive itself like I was saying how there's a very small percentage for us like at UA I think it's like something like less than like one percent of our adhesives have been reported like we have kind of like tested and deemed it to be faulty during transportation unfortunately it's not something we can control but if it's been in an extreme environment during transportation it could damage an adhesive but most of the time it's because preparation they can just prepare a little bit better and create that like pine cone in the you want to just go upwards in the lash to open up all of the cuticle so that it would stick better
0: that point of lashing would you continue with lashing or should you just stop re-cleanse and try again and see if
1: you're still having that result yeah i would stop re-cleanse or even try to like spot treat uh some spots with primer right if you have a theory and you don't want to re-cleanse right you can just spot treat an area with primer and see if that makes it a little bit better sweet lashes are popping off how do we fix okay not enough adhesive i think that like we're in we have this epidemic in our industry of using too little adhesive, right? Like you want it to stick, you have to use enough adhesive. If lashes are popping off, it means that you're not using enough adhesive or your adhesive is drying way too fast. And most of the time you can test this theory just by picking up more adhesive and see that if it still pops off, which is why it's important again to get into habit to vigorously brush your set in the middle of your set every 10, 15 minutes and rigorously. Like imagine you brushing your teeth. Because if your clients are not going to have good retention and they're going to pop up, you wanted to do it in your bed so you can fix it rather than when they go home. Oh my God, the worst was when I first started lashing and I would brush them at
0: the end and like half of my set would come off. I'm like, oh my God. Now every time, like every 10 minutes I'm brushing just to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Lashes are not wrapping.
1: They're sticking to the lash and they're just kind of staying there on the side not enough adhesive too much or too much moisture in the air again it just means that the adhesive is drying too fast right because it's already solid like it goes it went into the plastic state already before it has enough flexibility in there to open up and then wrap around the natural ash it doesn't have that yet because it's already in a solid it became one plastic is there a way to reduce moisture in the air without a dehumidifier I think the dehumidifier would be the best way to do it. But you can also, what you can do is, it depends on where you're at, right? If your what location you're in, if where you live inside your house, it's more humid than outside because it's a really dry climate that you're living in, then open up the window, right? But another really fast way to do it is to drop a drop of glue. Depends on where is it drying too fast. Like if you're, you work really slow from the glue to the eye, then you want to basically put, I don't think this is comfortable for client, which is why I don't like the solution, but it's should wet some sort of like cotton pads and then put it underneath the eyes so that it's creating like moisture, like around where you apply. And, or if you're someone who works really fast, like I do, I drop a drop of water right next to my adhesive to help speed up the time. But either way, this is like a lot more, like, I think it's better to get into a way where you can control your environment rather than having these band-aid solution because all of these are band-aid solution they take time they're cumbersome you know it's better for you so if those of you who are in the process of looking for a studio looking for a place right these are the things that you want to take into consideration is there big windows in there like big windows are going to affect fluctuate your environment dramatically on a morning to afternoon basis, right? You want something that's easy to control and easy to maintain. So the best solution to me is a dehumidifier. I have big windows in the new space that I'm in right
0: now. And I've only been here for a week. And I've noticed that like in the evening, it's cold daytime, it's hot daytime. I pop open the window, but I need to get an AC in here because I haven't used glue rings in like six years. Like I still have them sitting here and I find myself now pulling out the glue ring because more likely I'm already wearing mm. a mask and using the glue ring just to get a little bit closer to the lash. But it's yeah. not something
1: that I want to do. AC is important. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of come in here and talk about this. Like, because well, I see this question a lot on my DM. Um, I want to answer it once and all. When someone tells me that, how can I solve my environment problem? I don't want to invest in an AC. When I, how can I solve my environment problem? I don't want to invest into these dehumidifier, humidifier, because they're so expensive. For me, I think of it like this, right? We talked about right in the beginning of this podcast, as a business owner, you need to learn how to take risk. And this is a very safe, calculated risk to invest in X amount of dollars for the comfort of your clients to a better retention and for better reputation for you. It will pay it back in tenfold, hundredfold, right? But if you tell me that you don't want to invest into an AC, you don't want to invest into these tools, and you just want to have a glue that works for you or find some tricks and hacks and band-aid solution for it to work for you, I'm going to say that entrepreneurship will be a very difficult route for you because you already are resistant to taking small and yet very calculated risks that are safe for your business. You will only be faced with bigger challenges in your business that you won't be comfortable in doing. And like, why struggle if you don't need to? like why are you putting yes. yourself And I know that, that like sometimes I want to address that like I'm fully aware that starting costs for businesses are extremely expensive right buying AC unit may not be the solution in the beginning but you know it should be your goal to work towards getting an AC unit ASAP not a goal to find a adhesive that works best in your environment that doesn't have an AC because imagine glue now ranges from 50 something dollar all the way to 100 something dollar a few bottles of glue would already equal to an AC unit a cheaper AC unit
0: if there's anyone listening to this right now that's looking for a new business venture idea if you can come up with a matching set of AC humidifier dehumidifier all of these units that will look great in our space you're gonna make a ton of money because like I hate the fact that all of my units are not matching and like some of them are bulky like my heater's one brand my humidifier is one brand and like my dehumidifier is another brand my AC is gonna look like a bulky ass thing but if they're all cohesive and they look great in my space I would like pay a lot of money for that so somebody do this. yeah
1: that's what I was trying to say (laughs) (laughs) that is that is very important actually
0: okay fans are collapsing and so many lashes are
1: sticking together as you're working how do you fix this use less adhesive to start your step one because it's telling me that your adhesive is not drying fast enough that's why it's taking longer for it to turn into a plastic while it's sticking onto the lashes next to it and your fan just collapsed right So first thing first, it's pick up less adhesive. You're probably using too much adhesive. And if you find that you're not using too much adhesive, then you probably don't have enough moisture in your air. So you want to introduce moisture into your air.
0: Um, Is there ever a time when you're applying the lashes and it's like, it's drying fairly quickly, but then you're letting it all go. And then afterward you're realizing you're still getting stickies. I feel like this has happened, um, but I'm not
1: entirely sure. So like adhesive doesn't just dry in like one shot, right? It's not, it's a transitional thing, right? It goes from liquid slowly to solid. It's not like a flash of a moment thing. So you may feel that it's safe enough that it's dry, but it's not completely dry yet. So it can still cause sticky, but at any time it causes sticky, it's kind of going back to that first principle, right? It turns from liquid plastic to hard plastic, solid plastic, right? So only time in that transition period that it can cause sticky it's going to be when it's still not in complete solid state. Okay. So it
0: definitely need more moisture.
1: It's stickies, usually moisture. No, yeah, stickies, more moisture. Sorry. Yeah. Stickies, more moisture.
0: Okay. So we're talking about clients losing all of
1: mm, no, we talked about rubbing an application. Okay. Oh, sorry. I just realized that like earlier you asked me a question on how to troubleshoot when you don't have a dehumidifier, right? Not a humidifier. I just realized I answered a question as if you have a humidifier. Wait, I talked about
0: adding questions. Did we answer the dehumidity part? I think think I answered the question wrong.
1: You were asking, you know, what are some of the quick way to resolve if you have too much of Humidity in the air, right? Yeah. The quick way is still the opening the window part. Like you know, it depends on what the humidity outside. If you live in a dry, if your condo is dry, like concrete wall blocks out all the humidities, right? One of the reason why I was having a retention issue because I was lashing in ten percent humidity and I didn't even know about it because concrete wall doesn't allow uh, humidity in. So if outside is humid, you want to open the door and let the air in, and then also make it a little bit like warmer because hot air rises right so when it gets warmer it essentially has more humidity and temperature goes hand in hand right cold air like like molecule the air drops so that has less moisture and then so you want to either make it a little bit warmer or you want to add a little bit more like humid into the water into the air, but if you want to take it away, you would do something like a humidity absorbent, right? Like silica beads. You can put a pack of silica packets right next to your adhesive if you find that your adhesive is drying too fast, right? That'll work. And, that but all beautiful. these, yeah. But all this is band aid solution. Like I said, once again, you really want to control your environment rather than having a band aid solution. I can't believe I never tried the silica pack. Like I have it in my glue thing. I'm a bobber, but like I was, cause
0: I was lashing in a basement. Like I was struggling. Yeah. Okay. I have two scenarios here. So you have a client who's lost all of her lashes in a few days versus sometimes you have a set of clients, like maybe there's like 30 clients that you've done in a month and only two or three of them
1: have retention issues. Mm -hmm. So when all of your clients lost their lashes is 100% your fault, you know, because that means you need to go back to drawing board, investigate, do what you do, having a really detailed tracking to start recognizing pattern what jumps out at you. um, It's definitely going to be something you have to go back to the drawing board one step at a time, investigate your preparation, your attachment, your adhesive management right? If only a few of them has this retention issue, then retention, a small element that I haven't really talked about that is based on the client, but that's genetic. It's not aftercare, but it's genetic, right? Some clients just naturally secretes a lot of oil so that they don't have very like pine cone-like cuticle, right? Their hair is perpetually in that pantene stay it's great for as maria would say it's great for your hair but not so great for your lashes if you're trying to get extensions right so because of that reason through normal wear and tear it will fall out really easily and then also it could be because somewhere along the line even then those situations it won't be falling out immediately they would just have one and a half to two weeks retention yeah, but if you're having like one or two clients who are having dramatic fallout, once again, it's 100% your fault. <laughs> so it's even if it's small and it's an outlier, you still have to go back to the drawing board, which is why having notes is so important because you can pretty much pinpoint exactly what went wrong, right? All of this, like hormones and like all of this, like they don't actually affect retention in a way where lashes prematurely fall out, right? But if you find that your client come back and they said all oh, the lashes are gone and they also have their like catagen and like their teenager and adult lashes on, then it's not a genetic problem. It's not a hormone problem. It's an attachment problem. It's an adhesive management problem. It's a preparation problem.
0: I have this issue with one client right now. Like, most of my clients are having great retention. And this client started off having like pretty decent retention. Like, two weeks, they still have half their lashes kind of thing. Three weeks, still have half their kind of lashes. And I find like the last two months, two weeks, they have like next to nothing left. And I'm like, what is happening? I feel like I've done everything, tried everything. And I'm like, it's just you, but it's it's not her. But like, I feel like it is.
1: How does a lash line look when she comes back to you?
0: Like she has some baby hairs, but it really looks like the, it's not like all baby hairs. Like it looks like
1: the, the actual extensions are what have fallen off. Like it looks like it's okay. my fault, but like, I don't know how to fix it. Have you, so one of the things that I can see changes is that like maybe there's something change in her lifestyle where back then her follicle was a lot more like porous. And now, you know how some people would take like biotin or something like that mm-hmm. to make their hair smoother and stuff and stronger. And maybe there's something that she did in terms of that.
0: Okay. Client has lost more lashes
1: on the left side than the right side. That's because... I'm going to assume that this person is right-hand dominated. And then when they go to their left side, it takes a longer time to dry. And for some people, it may take me a second to apply on the left hand because my experience adjustment, but for some people it can take up to two to three seconds to apply the same lash on the non-dominant side because not knowing the adjustment that they need to make. So if you're using the same amount of glue that you use on your right eye than to your left eye, but you're using twice as long to apply a left eye, naturally that lash, it's going to dry faster. The glue is going to dry faster. So what you want to do to adjust that is to pick up a little bit more glue when you're working on the left eye.
0: Okay. A client goes on vacation, loses all of her lashes within two weeks. Is this on you as a lash artist or the client for aftercare or like the swimming, the sun, et etc, cetera, etc? Cetera? I think that
1: like it's on the artist. If you ask me, it's on the artist. If you know your clients are going on a vacation, she's going to be coming into contact with more than normal wear and tear. You got to use a little bit more adhesive. You got to prepare her for her vacation, right? So it's kind of like imagining somebody like selling you something, like, uh, let me try to think, if someone is selling you a computer, and like, you know, it's your job to make sure this computer works all the time. It's not that this computer will work when you are in Canada, but when you go to the US, it doesn't work, but it's a client's problem, right? So you basically have to, like, I think to be a really successful lash artist, and I mean successful by revenue, having a re- meaningful relationship with your clients, seeing all your ideal clients, you know, not like how popular you are on Instagram as a lash artist. I mean, truly feeling fulfilled and successful in your business, you know, you have to be customer driven first because at the end of the day, we're in the service industry. It's your job to serve. Like I know one of the things I like to do is when lash artists that don't even care about aftercare, like, you know, when client come in with dirty lashes, They still lash them. They still clean them. And if they don't don't last, then they will make it last, right? But they can also charge top dollars for it because there's always going to be girls out there that's not going to love taking care of their lashes. That's just facts, right? They need a lash artist too. Does pillow friction affect retention? Yes, it does. Because... You don't have good reten- uh, attachment. If you had great attachment, flush against the natural lash, maximum point of contact, then even pillow isn't going to make those lashes fall out. Should you always be nano misting or using a neutralizer? I don't nano mist. I would always wash my clients' lashes after a point to minimize the reduction of causing more possibility of having allergic reaction. So you want to just wash off all the solvent that's hanging around the eyes, right? So I would just wash instead of nebulizing or nettle misting And waiting like five
0: minutes after the yeah. last lash kind yeah. Of thing? Yeah. Aftercare for lash clients, like what's
1: actually important to tell them? Like what's actually relevant? Clean it with pressure. Clean it with pressure and imagine they're brushing their teeth and also tag them in untamed artistry's blog that we're going to come out with and how to actually clean your lashes it's all about educating your clients so for me it's really important after the first session so i don't cleanse my clients lashes myself because before i didn't feel confident so what I prefer to do is I prefer my clients to go to the washroom and I show them how to do it, right? So that I can give them a feedback loop of, no, that's too gentle. No, you're not actually getting into your lashes, right? Humans need feedback loop to learn. So that's if you leave idea. it to their own accord, yeah, because if you leave it to their own accord, they're going to be like, oh, wow, I paid $200 for these. So I better not go too hard on them. You should master your skill to a point where you can let your, tell your clients that go hard on these lashes because if they don't, those gums and oils and buildup is actually going to speed up um, the premature fallout. So always telling them to like, do it like you're brushing your teeth. You want to get in there to actually get your thing, uh, get your lashes clean, but not to hurt yourself, right? As long as you're not tugging your lashes, then you're good to go. Through these big aftercare cards, this is the only thing that matters. I think so, yeah. It's okay. Just, and then just rewarding them. Having, you know, if we understand anything about psychology is that humans are, lives off, positive reinforcement, right? Positively reinforce them for washing their lashes, right? Comment on their DM when you see them looking good. And you know, when they come back next time, you know, tell them how great their lashes looking, how clean they look, you know, make them feel good that they're doing this so that they will continue to do it. And
0: if you don't want to set aside time to have the client go to the bathroom, watch them wash their lashes, what I would do is as they're Coming in before you cleanse their lashes, give them the lash brush and just be like, Show me how you wash your lashes. I just want to make sure that everybody's doing it the way that they should be, especially as we're getting into the holiday season or something.
1: Absolutely. That's so good. Yeah. Like, you're right. Cause now everyone's going to have that time. Like, I charge, mind you, I charge like 350 to $400 for a set. So, like, they have all day with me. Like, <laughs> I basically, you know, we have a coffee, at, we have tea after, you know, I lend them books and like the relationship is very different there. But I think what your way is probably better and more feasible for most lash artists.
0: I want to know what's something that you do now that has really helped your business that you wish you would have implemented like years ago.
1: I think this is something I started to do now since COVID right in April because I think COVID has really changed a lot of our lives in many different ways and this is how it's changed my life. All of my friends would understand this is more of an inside joke but I have what it's called now a Dennis Rodman day. So for those of you who watched The Last Dance, the documentary on Michael Jordan, it talked about Dennis Rodman in there. And Dennis Rodman is known as this weird, eccentric NBA player who, you know, during the Bulls, um, you know, best years when they were winning, you know, championship year after year, Dennis Rodman was the only player on the Bulls team that was allowed to go, excuse my language, but fuck off for X period days and to just be him and you know for him his vices is go to Vegas drinks and dance and gamble and do drugs and whatever. but for me it's a day of just being me and doing having no responsibility to the world, having no responsibility to anybody and for me that is literally being in my pajamas and watching TLC and eating snacks all over my shirts and not feel bad about it and truly oh so much. Yeah, because I think we have an epidemic of self-criticism and perfectionism, right? It's that voice in our back of my head always saying you should be working harder, you should be doing more. How many memes do we see that if you don't come up with a quarantine, learning a new skill, then what have you done with your life, right? To me, it's so toxic to have those kind of things, whereas um, for me, it's, it's so funny because I actually already been doing a variation of that before that already but this really kind of solidified the concept where I can give a name to it you know it's having a Dennis ramen day where I just do absolutely nothing and feel and do not feel bad about it and sometimes before I would get into those mode but it would last for weeks it's what we call a slum it's what we mm-hmm. call a burnout it's what we call you know um, the valleys right? But to me, that's because the reason why it gets dragged out so long, it's because we are in these down moments, which all inevitably to have is that we battle ourselves in these moments, right? We go to war against our own demons, this demons of whipping ourselves saying, you're not doing good enough. You're not working hard enough. Look at, all these other people, look at them building their business. Do you think they're watching TV right now on their couch and eating potato chips and Cheetos? No, they're not doing that. Neither should you. And I've battled that so long that, I think everything started to change when I started to lean into that part of me, to that part of me that just wants to watch 90 Day Fiance. Like sometimes when I talk to people, I can have a conversation with you about evolutions and, you know, humanities and microeconomics. But I can also tell you about big neck ed, like, you (laughs) know, and there's no shame in that. And I think that that's really changed like my business. So let me come back faster. That's the thing, right? Every time, the only reason why Dennis is allowed to do that is every time when he comes back, he carries the team and he plays stronger than he's ever done. And he plays better than he ever did. Right. And I want to do that for my business. I want to do that for my team. I want to do that for my industry. And the only way for me to do that is to be selfish and have my Dennis Robbins day.
0: I feel that so much. I, I just spent two weeks with my best friend and I came back more energized and charged than ever. I'm like, why do I feel lighter and more excited? Because like yeah. I guess I had that
1: slump, but it was a good
0: one. How often do you have a Dennis Rodman day? Uh,
1: now I would probably say like once every two weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's our goal to make it more often, right? Like instead of, I've had friends who go into burnout and then recover and go on big vacation and then come back and then feel great and then burn out again. The only way to not live in perpetual burnout and recovery is to make these like recovery a part of your routine. Right. For some it could be a nighttime routine where you do an hour of self-care. For some it could be maybe like me, where at the moment I feel lower energy, I just call quit and I just have a Dennis Ramen day. But it's to be smart with it and really like work with our body and not against it. And how did
0: you start giving yourself permission to do that and not have that guilt be so overwhelming? Therapy. Um, having, I, I think, you for you therapy, a hundred percent. Thank God, <laughs>
1: Thank God. Was the like, therapy was like, like saved my life. my life. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think every single person needs therapy and it's actually yeah. my mission life mission to um i'm actually starting a different brand uh, i'm starting a second brand called lazy sunday it's going to be a cosmetic brand that what ua the core value of ua is education and the core value of this new brand is going to be self-love and self-compassion and i want to teach people how to love themselves right because i'm haven't been very good at it for a really really long time um so it's a new learned skill that i'm learning that i want to bring other people and learning that's why i know that uh, someone made a comment in my lashcon talk that cheryl is trying to dismantle the hustle porn one video and one conference at a time and i am truly trying to do that so um i think that therapy really really helped and having someone who's extremely supportive to tell me that like it's okay that like i'm fortunate to have someone who loved me my boyfriend who loved me even when I don't, when the whole world stops spinning and I just want to be the worst version of me, you know? So I think having, knowing that you are loved, not when you're successful, not when you've accomplished this, not when you achieve this, true definition of self-love is loving you as you are right now, yesterday, the day before last year, and the day you were born, right? It's not have judgment on yourself because judgment is the most harmful thing. So yeah. That hits so hard, like so hard.
0: And guys, like if you're listening to this and you're not there yet, just know like it's a process. And therapy is—it's literally been life changing. So if you're struggling with this and you need help, like figuring it out oh, and yeah. having permission to love yourself, like definitely talk to somebody. It mm. it'll help. It'll
1: help a lot. What- and also, f- I know that I said previously some question that outdoor isn't open because I think that we can answer once broad. Like, what teleprompting app? But if you want to have a conversation about this, my door is always open. So you can contact me on my personal Instagram called Went Salt Meets Pepper. And like, we can have a chat about this because I know that this is the only way for leading us to happiness is to resolve all of our inner feelings and loving ourselves fully. And know that it's a journey. Like it doesn't just happen overnight. It's a big journey. Absolutely. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So my favorite is from this, um, I guess he's a writer slash public speaker and also an entrepreneur. His name is Derek Siver. I like to think that me and Derek Siver are like soulmates in an intellectual level because I really, really like him where he's an entrepreneur with a lot of love and compassion and doesn't take himself too seriously. But he wrote a blog many, many years ago that really put him on the map. Is this concept called hell yes or no right? It's, I think I used to say yes to everything, right? Being a people pleaser is really, really hard. And I think now I guard my time in my dear life. And I know that my happiness is the most important thing to me. And the only way for me to truly be happy is to do the things that light my soul on fire. So if I say yes to a mediocre project, a mediocre person, a mediocre product, right? I am saying no and not making room for, you know, things that light my soul on fire. And I think one of the things that people don't understand is that great, great, great entrepreneurs and mover and changers aren't just more capable. They are more, they have more time. We all have 24 hours in the day. They're not smarter. Like I'm not smarter than other people. But what it is, is that we're more selective with the yes that we say, right? And I think that, that that's really transformed um, like my business approach. That's, Yeah. <laughs>
0: I thought I had something to say to that. I'm like, no, oh, this is really good. It's it's hard from like listening and like thinking about the next question at the same time. It's like this is exactly what I'm not supposed to do. But- it's okay.
1: You're doing a really really good oh. job, Sway. You to know. Thank you. Uh,
0: glad that we're not mediocre because you said yes to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course not because you let me talk about things like this you know uh, now a lot of people will let me be all mushy mushy and vulnerable and talk about things it's like maybe hurting my heart best.
0: no it's so important <laughs> it's like giving me goosebumps but like what are you passionate
1: about what do you want to be remembered for i want to be remembered um as the person who changed the world with kindness and curiosity oh you know i like that yeah uh i have a secret project that I'm working on now, um, I like to call it a kindness conglomerate. You know, I really truly believe that, you know, openness and kindness is a way that it's it's a more, like, I don't like to even say more involved because that implies superiority. But I think that as human, if we want to evolve to be more happy and content and just feel good about who we are, because, you know, ultimately when... And it gets morbid, but when you die, what you're left with when you're dying, what you're left with is you and yourself, right? It's like, how do you want to live a life that was fulfilled and happy and filled with love or full of accomplishments and performance and achievement? For me, it's going to be love and happiness. And I think that that's ultimately going to, I've seen personally that transformation has made on so many people in my life. And I want to continue to do that. I want to continue to spread that kindness and the only way I got to understanding kindness and wanted to do this is through curiosity so I think that curiosity and kindness can go hand in hand and if they are done well together they can change the world I love that you
0: have all your values
1: figured out so strongly but I feel like openness and kindness is like
0: the basics of humanity and people struggle with this so much and I'm like how do you live your life not being kind to other people it makes me so angry like it's just so basic yeah,
1: I want to highlight here one point for my listeners, something to really think about is that kindness is not niceness. It's very different. Being nice, it's a way to signal so that other people like you, right? And in our company at UA, one of our core value at UA is clear is kind. Kindness is not me constantly giving feedback, uh, compliments, and saying you're amazing and blah blah blah. Kindness is clearly de- ex- communicating my expectation, clearly communicating our values right and setting it so straight that everyone else are in it for the same reason or they can be pursuing something that they love right i truly believe a world if everyone pursuing what they love would be the most beautiful and amazing world in the ever right that's my i guess definition of utopia i don't even believe in this concept of utopia but um you know and i think i for a really long time confuse niceness with kindness right i always thought that If I'm nice, then that's being kind. But in many ways, niceness is very malicious, right? I think that we can, I don't, I hate generalizing, but we can see that in a woman-dominant industry. There's a lot of niceness going on, right? But the moment when your niceness isn't reciprocated, you are offended. But that's because it was never a gesture of your value, but rather a gesture of signaling. I've never thought of it like that before. My mind is kind of blown right now. Yeah, you don't have to be nice. You just have to be kind, right? Kind is being radically honest. Kind is accepting criticism. Kindness is, you know, giving criticism, which is something I struggle so much with. It's giving feedback right kindness is non-judgmental right it's knowing that accepting and loving others and yourself for who they are and not wanting to change them and even if you want them to change it's you just want to be a guide on that journey but not because it's even thinking about how think about how defensive human are right like if I told you you told me that you love this new movie that came out and it's the best movie you've ever seen for me I think the best thing I've ever seen to date is. This new Netflix show called Alien World. It literally teaches you everything. Even to watch the show because it teaches you first principle. It teaches you evolution. It teaches you um, you know, economy, it teaches you very, very first principle. It teaches you ideas, it teaches you the evolution of ideas and humanity. But it also teaches you imagination because it draws a parallel of a world where what will world look like? It challenges us to imagine what a Earth looked like if it had two times the gravity and half of the size. It challenges us to think about what if we had two suns, right? So it's like extremely like, I think it's like revigorating for my soul to watch that. And I, after watching that, like I don't want to watch anything else because I just feel like if it doesn't, if it's not a hell yes then it's a no for me, right? And I think that, you know, that's kind of where I, I think even for me, I am mistaken sometimes to be, like to some people I, I can say, some people I can think of in my head that maybe, not, maybe thought that I wasn't nice to them, right? But I'm not, I think this statement has forever changed my life. My boyfriend does this thing where he drops one-liners that just makes me completely change my worldview. And one of the one-liners he's dropped to me was the ultimate altruism is selfishness. If you just did what you wanted and loved and passionate and solving the problem that matters to you the most and putting yourself first and your well-being first, then you are being the most selfless to others around you, right? Because it's kind of like that whole, you know... To love others is to love yourself first. It's mm-hmm. just that put in a different format. It's like the ultimate altruism, the ultimate kindness. It's not to be nice, but to just have strong values that like you live by and live. Oh,
0: no. It's freezing. Exactly the way about it. Oh, I lost you. Oh, sorry. After cigar, how other people feel. I lost like that last two sentences. Like just like the last little, okay. like ten seconds, not even ten seconds, like five seconds. Yeah.
1: So basically, um, I was saying how you know the ultimate kindness is for you to do what you want and pursue the pr- problem that most passionate to you and solving the problem that matters most to you, and and then like not to judge other people for doing the same thing. And then that's it. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, and that I think that's really kind of brings the question of why are you in this industry right for the listeners out there like if you what your passion is it's in i don't know like creating i know many of you probably know sandra from lash 411 have exited our industry right to pursue what she's passionate about i don't know her personally i don't know what kind of journey she's went on but i can say that i am seeing a woman who is doing something that lights her soul on fire and you know disregarding the judgment of other people and that to me is admirable and I wouldn't say Sandra like now like before like my first impression of Sandra is sassy you know like I wouldn't say she's the nicest person I don't know her personally but like you know I to me like me and her personalities are very different right i'm very like maybe warm and mushy and stuff like that sandra is very sassy and like you know feisty and like and it's very different but i can tell that like it doesn't matter what her personality is it doesn't matter what she does but the fact that she's able to pursue what makes her happy mm-hmm. it's ultimately going to bring joy and happiness to all those around her and that's okay. kindness definitely looking at it a different way
0: i'm like okay <laughs> let's end this off with the last book you read or you're currently reading. Okay,
1: I love this question because those of you who follow me for a while probably know that in the recent few years, I've became a bit of a bookworm, I guess. I think a Um, bit is an understatement. (laughs) Uh, I think reading is the best way to acquire knowledge. So um, right now I'm currently reading two different books. One book, it's called The Naval Radicon Alchemac. Alchemy. I always mix up the word because I'm obviously ESL, but what it means is that it's a book of wisdom, right? And it, he is famous. He's basically a really famous VC and angel investor. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically he invests in business ideas. He was an early investor in Uber, uh, Airbnb, you know, all these Facebook and these big companies. And he came out with a book where he's the first person that basically it's the first entrepreneur, entrepreneurial philosopher, or a philosophical entrepreneur, however you like to put it, But he really talks, bring forth the conversation about happiness and wealth accumulation at the same time. These two things are not mutually exclusive. For a really long time, maybe my parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, the wealthiest people weren't the happiest people, right? Because it took a lot of effort to accumulate wealth and we didn't really understand happiness. So one of the things that Naval said that's really impactful is that he said, the basic human pursuit, are wealth, um, what is it? it's, sorry, survival, wait, like something like wealth and then uh, health and then happiness, right? That's a basic pursuit of human's life. But in reality, the importance is in reverse. The importance is happiness, health, and then wealth, right? And this book really gives you wisdom and how you can have both. Like, what does it truly mean to accumulate wealth? And that's the ownership and leverage and being a knowledge worker in this creator's economy. And what does it truly mean to be happy is to not have, you know, attachment to your identities and your material belongings. Like I've been there before, guys. Like I've been that girl who, you know, bought Chanel bags because I wanted to signal to the world that I've made it in poker. I've bought designer things. Like, you know, if you look into my closet, I think I have way more designer items than people expect me to have, where now I wear the same sweater every single day. But I am a much, much, much happier person than I've ever been, you know? So I think um, that's something that's really impactful for me. And then, because I'm always you reading multiple books at the time. So the second book I'm reading, which I'm really trying to introduce into my life is some fictions, um, because I realized that creativity is to be found everywhere. And actually, you know, I want to encourage knowledge worker to not restrict yourself to non-fictions only, which I have done for a really long time, but find, you can find so many wisdom in fictions. So right now I'm reading this book called A A Man Named Ovi at Night. And this book basically talks about like, you know, an old man at his 50 being retired, lost his wife and how life doesn't really mean anything to him and how he's again, defined happiness and, you know, meaning in life through his surrounding. Right. Um, So I think it's a very, it's a book that you're going to laugh. You're going to cry. It's extremely emotional. But one of the things that I always believe it's, it came from my Dennis Rodman day, right. Is to know, to watch, things that we don't because as a business owner you can easily get caught in just wanting to read all of the um, business books and you know non-fictions and every waking moment i've been there before where i don't even listen to music anymore because every time i listen to music i feel like i'm cheating on the podcast i should be listening to i'm cheating on the audiobook that i should be listening to it's in this perpetual state of let's be better let's be better but sometimes self-development and self-improvement can become a toxic habit and i think that it can easily become that when we're in the society that really praise hustle, right? Um, And performance. We're super performative based, right? Like even thinking about and watching Netflix really helps with that. So those of you who might know, UA's launch was really, really funny last year, right? And initially I actually was going to launch something much meaningful and deeper. But one day I went to watch movies and I watched an Old Spice commercial in the beginning of the movie. So I was like, you know what? Never mind. we should be doing Old Spice because if I do an emotional story of why I founded UA, what's the meaning and value behind UA, I'm making me the hero. You know, I'm talking about UA, I'm talking about why we're special. But if I made a video that made my audience laugh and related to them and drawing parallel between finding the right lash brand and finding the right life partner, that's for them, it's not for me. And that would have been a way better and effective marketing strategy. Who knew I could just have a drastic change in my marketing strategy to lead to the success of UA through going to the movies that was epic it was so good I love that commercial if
0: you guys haven't seen it you need to go check it out I'm pretty sure it'd be like on your story highlight somewhere right it has to be yeah so good okay I've kept you on for like hours (laughs) we've literally been on for like three hours almost Thank you. I really, really enjoyed the
1: conversation.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed it. Let us know where our listeners can find you and I'll pin all of your information in the show notes as well for you.
1: Okay. So you can find me at my personal account at when salt meets pepper if you want to talk to me personally. But otherwise, I highly, highly encourage you guys to follow our. Instagram at untamed.artistry and then also our YouTube untamed artistry and lastly I want to shamelessly plug that untamed artistry now has a free volume refresher course and that we've devoted three hours of free content decades worth of experience that is going to be completely absolutely 100% free for lifetime access so I'm gonna give you (laughs) you guys (laughs) mind blown (laughs) the show no mind you that this is a refresher course it's not a certificate course it does not replace proper formal training it's just for you to you know learn some of the tricks and hacks that me and my team have accumulated over like collectively we have over two decades of experience in lashes so you know we just wanted to share all of that with you guys and really truly be a changer and leader in elevating the industry standard you know we want to do more than just saying it but actually do it through action guys are you hearing
0: what she's saying Untamed artistry is giving you three hours, not like three little webinars, three hours of volume refresher training for like absolutely free. That is insane. That is unheard of. I can't wait to check it out. And if you haven't already and this, okay, if this podcast has helped you and you still want to learn deeper and do a deeper dive into retention and adhesive, if you go to untamed artistry's YouTube page as well, there is a solid, solid course in there. There was a webinar, right? It was a webinar that you did that really dives into like the more scientific side of the retention of adhesive, what it's made out of and how to work with it better as well. So check that out so you can be an adhesive whiz.
1: Yeah, I hope that at some point in our industry, no one will start having retention problem and everyone just understands adhesive retention more well, fundamentally that we can all just be our own troubleshooters. Instead of going to our friend be like, What adhesive do you use? What's your favorite adhesive, (laughs) you know? But (laughs) mine is UA's retention, obviously, because we choose high quality ingredients and we really work closely with a chemist. And most importantly, I think it's because it's very, we're very meticulous in the quality control process where we do small batch order. So we order actually twice three times a month. And at the bottom of bottle, it's dated. So any of you, we have challenged ourselves so much to a point where we said, we'll put a date of our adhesive at the bottom of your bottle. So you hold us accountable. That we'll never sell adhesive that's older than a month to you.
0: That's why I originally bought your adhesive. Cause I'm like, I believe in you. I believe in what you say. And the fact that you are completely transparent and you do the small batches. I'm like, if something were to ever go wrong, like she would tell me. So like yeah. I can put my tr- my business
1: in your hands. Like I trust that. Yeah. All thanks right. for that. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much for being here. It was really nice chatting with you. Thanks for having me. And I will talk to you later.
0: Okay. Input mind blown emoji.
1: Cheryl is such a
0: unique person to chat with. And the amount of knowledge she just shared is unbelievable. Don't forget to check out the free UA refresher training for lash artists she's made available. And everything will be linked in the show notes, so it's super easy for you to find at Neilemcore.com forward slash L04. That's Neilem Core Core spelled K-A-U-R- dot com sports slash l04. And I've also linked some of my all time favorite UA commercials in there. So you don't have to go looking for them. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to go leave us a review on iTunes. Not only does it mean so much for me, you leaving a review and giving us a five star rating really helps other artists find this podcast so that they can work on their business too. Until next time. See ya.